Another episode of Not Rocket Science, the show that talks about the intersectional relationship between business, technology, and culture. I am Sean, your host. Hope you guys are doing well on this. Let's see what day is Monday. Monday, February 17th. Monday, damn. We are more than halfway done with February. As slow as January was, February is going by with the quickness. And I am mad at that. I mean, honestly, who likes February? At least we're in, you know, New York. It's the worst weather of the year, bar none. It is the worst weather month. And uh, although this year, I will say it's been pretty good for the most part. Pretty good. I think that global warming is definitely happening because this winter has been tame. Tame, tame, tame. Hope you had a good Valentine's Day. Hope you, uh, you know, you know, did well with the significant other. Got them the thing they wanted. Had a nice dinner, maybe. Maybe went out. You know, had some sushi. Something like that. Keep it nice and sexy. I had me uh, cooked a chicken parm dinner. And last night we watched Parasite. My buddy is part of SAG, so he gets the screener DVD hookup. So we watched Parasite in the Living Room. Very good. I'd say about 8 out of 10 overall. Um, Really, though, it's like take the Jordan Peele movies and make them very realistic. Like take out the horror movie aspect or the element from them. Just make them kind of like a comedy, suspenseful, thriller type of movie. And that's kind of what you get with Parasite. And they make it Korean as hell, and that's Parasite. It is a super Korean, super realistic version of a Jordan Peele movie. Um, and, I mean, you know, it has its own little character to it. Just in general, a Korean screenplay is going to be different than an American screenplay. So it's definitely unique. I don't want to try to, like, put a formula to it too much. Um, it's definitely unique. It just gave me heavy Jordan Peele vibes in the way it's shot um the pacing and some the style of the craziness that eventually happens in the movie but uh, I liked it I enjoyed it big time I see the hoopla like why it got so much fanfare and the Academy Award and everything and it was a good movie good movie recommended anyway this podcast is not about Parasite or Valentine's Day although last week's was um I decided to get a little meta. This podcast is more like the movie Inception, if anything. Uh, This podcast is dedicated to talking about that, podcasting. Um, I'm about a year and a half into this thing. Maybe actually closer to two years now, now that I'm thinking about it. Pretty damn close. Wait. Oh, my God. Two years. Yeah, next month is two years. What am I talking about? So, yeah. I'm about two years deep into this thing. Um, gonna reflect a little talk about 
what I would do differently if I was starting now because a lot's changed. Podcasts, even in the past two years, have gotten even more popular. Everyone and their mom is doing a podcast. I almost feel lame. I feel like someone that like got tattoos a year or two before everyone just got tattoos. You know what I mean? And it's like, now it's just kind of like, oh, you have a tattoo too? Cool. It's kind of how I feel with podcasting now. But podcasting can be a very successful tool for your brand for your business if you do it the right way and don't make the mistakes that i made early on um so get into a few categories with this thing uh when it comes to podcast optimization for yourself your brand your business whatever i don't want your your personal brand i hate it when people say that i get it it's a very easy way to kind of catch what you're going after, you know, treating yourself like a business. And what's your personal brand? I just hate saying it. Does anything sound worse than you talking about your own personal brand? Ugh. Ugh. Take it away. Anyway, so I'm going to break it down into the production side first. So it's kind of like twofold. First part, we're going to talk about the production aspect of making a podcast. And then the second part will be more around like the distribution, the analytics, the marketing, things like that. Um, So yeah, to jump into the production, you don't need much. You really don't need much. You need a laptop with a decent processor, nothing crazy. Um, You don't even need to hear the specs from me. Just anything that isn't like a Chromebook level, you know, piece of junk. Um, not to say Chromebooks are a piece of junk. They're great for browsing the web. But when it comes to storing data, <laughs> no bueno. Um, so just a decent laptop. You know, anything you spend four to $500 on in the Windows, uh, for a Windows, like in that range, is pretty good. Any of the Apple laptops work. An iMac works. You don't really need that much. Um, then you need mics. So... You have USB mics and you have condenser mics, what to get. It really depends. Um, If you're doing a podcast that has a lot of people on it, you know, like three, four plus, I would say get a condenser mic, um, get multiple condenser mics, that is, because it's when it comes to hooking them into a mixer, um, it's a lot easier with condenser mics. You can't have like six USB mics going into one mixer from what I can understand, at least um in the little bit of research i've done plus my general understanding of audio and how it works because generally you plug the mixer has a usb out um and you plug the microphones via xlr cable into the mixer so mic xlr to mixer mixer usb out to laptop that's kind of the flow um if you're doing a little podcast you know a little bedroom operation or if you're you know skyping out to the world or twitching and you just need a microphone to do the damn thing for you kind of like what i'm doing right now uh, a usb microphone works fine you can go el cheapo and get a snowball um a snowball uh, a snowball microphone made by blue you can go a little more expensive and get a blue yeti or you can go more expensive than that and get a more like pro usb mic but i would say get a blue yeti it sounds a little better than a snowball 
but it's easy to use. It's plug and play. Um, I, that's what I recommend. You see a lot of people on YouTube videos using uh, Blue Yeti microphones. It's a good. It's a, it costs about one hundred and twenty dollars or so, and uh, it's money well spent in my book. That's my recommendation for a USB microphone. Condenser mics, there's a million. There's a million and a half condenser microphones. I would say if you're starting out, you can get an MXL 990 condenser mic um, for about 100 bucks. That's a pretty solid microphone for podcasting. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention is you can hook up multiple USB mics into a sound card, external sound card. You could totally do that. It's just performance-wise, it's not going to be as as clean as a traditional condenser microphone XLR out into a regular studio mixer. That's how, you know, professional shows are done. But if you want to go the USB route, again, I don't want to make it sound like you can't do this, but you could hook those up to... Um, a sound card so like a, uh, a phonica sound card for example which is about you know, 25 bucks you could do it that way i just wouldn't recommend it there's going to be some sort of latency involved uh, most likely maybe not maybe uh maybe the technology's gotten better and maybe i'm an idiot but if you were to ask like a professional podcast production person how to set the stuff up they'd usually say you know condenser mics xlr into a mixer mixer into a computer but anywho this is not an audio gear podcast i could talk about that stuff all day but i'm not because it'll bore you to tears am i right am i right but moving on so you got your mic you're ready to blah 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 and wax poetic what is next you need something on your computer to capture all of your sweet sweet mouth sounds right right maybe maybe you don't even want a podcast maybe you're trying to do uh you know an asmr uh youtube channel or something this all still works for you um so what do you capture all your sweet asmr sounds with well well the cheap route would be audacity audacity is what i'm recording with right now it is what the majority of non-professional podcasters use um it is pretty good so the difference between me and most podcasters is a lot of podcasters just edit down in audacity they do everything in audacity that's how they build their podcast they add their music all that stuff i don't do that what i do is i record with a laptop the raw audio that you're hearing right now in audacity just because it's quick and easy and then i bounce that into my other program and that's where I do all the effects, all the editing. I use a program called Reason um, just because I use it for music production forever. But you can use Pro Tools. You can use Logic. You can use FL Studio. Any of those DAWs work. Um, you can even use GarageBand if you really want to. And that's kind of how you do like the mix down and you just have a lot more access to effects because the effects on audacity aren't very good audacity is a killer program for a free program but it kind of sucks compared to professional you know digital audio workstations the reason why 
I use Audacity, though, just because I don't have uh, any of my real DAWs on a laptop. I have Audacity on a laptop. So that's all it is. I need portability because I need to record in certain areas where there's less noise and my iMac is in another room. So that's my story. But yeah, if you could, if you want to start out and just use Audacity, that totally works. If you have some knowledge on with better gear, um, better software, use any of those because recording audio for podcasts is not really that hard compared to like recording songs for music um you know cutting albums things like that this is kind of a walk in the park to be honest um the standard for professional podcasting is pro tools pro tools has been around forever i remember using the low-end version of pro tools back in high school and into college um but it's all kind of the same pro tools is great if you need all the fancy plugins and everything like that but uh, it's not the best for music. So if you're also a musician, I don't really record in Pro Tools anymore because it's more for like mastering, mixing down, and like movie soundtracks and movie audio dubs. Use Pro Tools, voiceovers, um, things like that. But there's better tools that are built into software now, specifically for music, which is why I use other tools. Anyway, any of those will do. It really depends on what your chops are. Um, so I would say start with Audacity, learn the keyboard shortcuts, and just get really good with Audacity if you're coming in new, never working with audio before. And then maybe investing in a Pro Tools if you're exclusively into podcasting or a Logic. Or uh, even if you want to get more into music like an Ableton, something like that. Ableton is super popular in the electronic music world, so I, I dabble with that. But I use Reason just because I'm loyal. I'm loyal to my old software that I've been using since I was 17. Um, okay, so that kind of covers the production. So what do you do? You edit, you put your tracks together, you do a little mix down. Um, when it comes to audio mixing, there's a few effects that are really important for podcasting. Uh, I'd say compression is the most important. Compression basically is the idea of squeezing your track. So having certain elements in a track sound louder or softer. Um, so let's, for example, your background music. It's like having your background music loud enough at every point, and then when you're talking over it, it ducks slightly. Not so much that it's super noticeable, but a little bit so your voice can cut through a little bit more. Um, that's what compression basically does. And putting some light compression in the right places on a podcast can make a huge difference. Um, it's not something that sounds obviously different, but if you were to take two versions, one with it and one without it, and really compare, you can you can hear the difference. It's really important with music as well. It's kind of like if you listen to rap, it's what makes that... Uh, 808 kind of stand out and hit the right way or an electronic dance music it has that kind of side chaining it's called side chain compression and it's the thing that gives it a dance track that pulsing effect you know like that instead of it being like it's like that's called side chaining so that's like obnoxiously aggressive compression it does this kind of like pulsing effect but anyway 
that's compression, you should not be side-chaining your podcast. Or do it. Or do it. See what happens. Um, but compression's a big one. I'd say filtering's another one that could be useful, uh, especially if you get into the podcasts that are more produced with like background noises and sounds and things like that. Basically, what filter's doing is filtering out certain frequencies and letting in other frequencies. So... You take a sound like a clap. If you were to scoop out all the low end to that clap, it would sound like this. See how a lot of the lower kind of meatier tones are kind of uh, washed out. You don't really hear them. It sounds very just kind of like high pitch, tinny kind of feel. Um, that is because on that clap, I filtered out all the lows via use, using a high pass filter, which scoops out the lows and only lets in the highs. Now I can take that same clap and add a low pass filter to it and you get this. See, totally different. Has none of that high-end tinniness, but it has this kind of like muted low-end like it's, you know, trapped in a palm or something. Um, that's because all the highs and mids are stripped out. So that's what filtering does in a nutshell and can be super important when it comes to the balance of sounds if you have multiple things happening at once in music here's a little tidbit when you're recording a track or mixing down a bunch of tracks i should say what uh mix engineers do is they put filters on everything and what's crazy is sometimes you'll hear the individual sound will be like a snare drum or something a kick drum a synth a guitar a bass piano the sound will sound worse with the filter on when you have the track soloed. So you hear one and you hear the other, you're like, I want the one that sounds better. But the thing is, is when you have all, they sound better because they have more harmonic frequency mixed in. But the problem is, is when you listen to the whole track, track could be 120 tracks of instruments. Um, I should stop saying the whole track because music's made of multiple tracks the whole song i should say made up of several tracks when you hear that as a collective whole what often happens is uh everything sounds good when balanced together your lows so your kick drum your bass are more emphasized when you use a low filter on them low pass filter same with uh, some of the more metallic-y pad sounds or synth synthesizer sounds. You scoop out a lot of the low and lower mid and just leave the mid to high sounds. And they sound worse by themselves, but when everything's mixed together, the lows have more room to cut through, the highs have more room to cut through. And you can apply that same principle to podcasting where, you know, if you have a sound that's supposed to be a little creepy in the background while you have somebody doing a voiceover or speaking or narrating, um, you might want to put a low pass because people tend to have a mid to mid-high frequency when they're talking. Um, maybe a little lower if they're a male. But the point is, is having a low filter on a track kind of muffles it. So you, that low, creepy sound will be more muffled, so it'll still sound dark and have that dark energy if you're doing like a mystery podcast, for example. But um, it's not going to clash with the person speaking. So hopefully that makes sense. Another thing to pay attention to is the idea of space. You know, recording in stereo, you have 
people listen to podcasts on two headphones there's a left and a right and you can do something called panning and pan what panning does basically is it takes a sound that you're recording it could be a voice it could be anything and it basically lets you decide how far to the left or right in someone's headphones or in the mix you want that sound to be in um so if you have some sound effects to help paint the scene of what the narrator is talking about like some glass shattering or something like that you can pan hard left or right to give that narration the center space it really needs so all this stuff is kind of decorations around the main voice so looking up panning would be another good thing to do if you're just getting into podcasting and then the other one is reverb reverb is kind of like it it makes everything feel like they're in a big room almost like a church and has a kind of echoey feel that could be useful for certain types of podcasts too so i don't want to get too into all the crazy effects that you can use to help boost the production quality of your podcast but those are some of the more important ones i think when it comes to mixing audio a good mix or a good sounding um podcast it has to do with balance and space so sounds have to play nice with each other so the lows need their space to breathe and the highs need their space to breathe and the voice needs to be in the center and be kind of like the focal point of the whole podcast so using things like filtering and uh, panning and compression and maybe reverb to a little bit of an extent all help with that equation so on the production side that's kind of how that's kind of the primer i wanted to give as far as what to use different tools different mics different gear different effects um and then when you're done what do you do well i like to bounce my podcast as wave files and then so wave is uncompressed audio so it's very high quality and then most large distribution platforms for podcasts only allow mp mp3s which are compressed down majorly uh just because of size you know data storage things like that so then once i have my wave file i'll compress it down into uh, an mp3 and then put it out there for the world to hear and love uh and then for that what i do is i use anchor for everything they're the commercial you heard at the beginning of this it's basically what everyone uses now i mean it's spotify anchor's owned by spotify and that what they basically let you do is just drag in your episode add in a advertisement if you have one click save and then you have your episode saved to your dashboard and then you write in your show notes and all that and you either hit uh publish or you can set a timer for when it's going to publish. And that's really useful if you have to travel or something. You can still hit your same schedule. You just don't have to be there. And that's really it. The distribution side of things is super, super, super straightforward now. Um, Anchor is, to me, definitely the way to go. It, and it populates your podcast on every major podcasting platform. So that's what I use for that. And then when it comes to marketing, 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 well, this is the trickiest one. Marketing super tricky because podcasting is so saturated now. So it's a lot harder to stand out. So what I would say when it comes to marketing is it depends. There's no really right answer. Um, if your podcast is like, let's say, how to 
fix your home yourself or how to flip houses by restoring them by yourself. And a lot of the advice given on the podcast is very hands-on um, advice on how to do things yourself. So it's really like a, a teaching kind of podcast where someone can listen to an episode, get the takeaways, and be like, boom, I'm going to hit the ground running doing this. You know, I would say do it the way everyone does it. Start a website, create a brand, create an email list. That's key. Create your email list write blogs, get your website ranked in Google for that particular niche and make that your core and then kind of add on social media on top of that. But it's really about SEO, writing content that gets your site ranked and building an email list organically outside of social media and then do Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff on top of it. That would be kind of the way to go in my opinion. Instagram's great, but the problem with Instagram is there's a million podcasts on Instagram and uh, no one really cares unless you're kind of famous. I think um, you need to have some other form of momentum for your podcast to catch some catch some real traffic and volume. Um, Instagram is just not because it's the DNA of Instagram is visual, right? It's for photography and now video, and that's that's where it comes from. And I'm a big believer in like where you, what your DNA is ultimately holds true, even when you scaled as a platform. Um, Instagram does a lot more now than just you know photography pics, but that's their DNA. Podcasts are audio based, so not quite the perfect match. Um, and I spent a lot of time trying to do Instagram marketing myself for this podcast. Honestly, not the best move. It wasn't the best move because a lot of the early followers you get are just other podcasts and they're like, oh, I'll do a favor for you if you do a favor for me, but no one really follows anyone's stuff. I had a few podcasts I was close with and we kind of grew together initially, but that relationship kind of fell off um, because some of them started stopped putting out episodes and stopped really caring and it's just it's a real struggle so i would not recommend instagram for as a marketing tool for your podcast at first i would try to do other things outside of instagram's uh platform you know going the old-fashioned route website seo organic traffic building your email list and once you have your email list, you know, you can introduce the podcast. You can get people listening right away. You can ask people to uh, rate it on, you know, the podcasting platforms, all that stuff. And you're likely to get more of a response because you've already built this relationship with your audience. I think also YouTube's a good idea. I haven't messed with YouTube because it's a monster and I've dabbled with it in the past. And I just never really had a camera that's good enough for me to worth doing the show um, on YouTube, to make it worth doing the show on YouTube for me. So, but YouTube is another great area for growth. And if it's a business podcast, I would say LinkedIn. I would say screw it. Put it up on LinkedIn. But, you know, it better be business tailored and business focused. It shouldn't be like telling a bunch of dick jokes all day um so that would be my advice i would say really if you're really down to take this podcasting thing seriously i would say create a website as fast as possible make sure it has a blog and just start writing content or 
hire an intern or someone to write content for you and deploy that shit as soon as possible because SEO is still a beast, beast, beast when it comes to this attention game. And I feel like everyone's getting a little too deep into the social media and kind of neglecting it a little bit when it comes to this stuff, particularly if you have keywords available for the niche for your podcast. Maybe your podcast has a weird name or something. Uh, Maybe you talk about really weird granular things and some sub niche uh, and you can still get fairly affordable keywords to rank. SEO is definitely the way to go. Um, And, you know, if you're a comedian or something and you're trying to start like a comedy podcast, obviously use your audience at your live shows and try to tour as soon as possible. Get out of your main city. Because, you know, that's a great way to build an audience organically. You're actually interacting with them. So that niche is perfect for podcasting. Um, But if you're, you know, more of a business-style podcast, I would say same way you try to get a website ranked for your business, you know, SEO, keywords, hustle, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, And when it comes to ads, I would say hold off on ads, you know, Facebook ads, Instagram ads. I would say hold off until there's some sort of base audience. So you have a certain amount of followers, certain amount of organic engagement. Um, I wouldn't think of it as a good initial acquisition tool because I think social proof is a big deal with podcasting. And you need those reviews in the app store. You need that following on social media that of like a real community um, to get people interested and be like, oh, what are these guys about? Because people can detect fakeness from a mile away. And if you paid for a bunch of followers, paid for a bunch of advertising, it looks good on the surface, you click into one post, it has 26 likes, you know, people are going to notice that right from the get-go and write you guys off automatically. So that's my advice on that. I'm going to cut it. We're about a half hour in. I got to eat dinner. I am hungry right now. So uh, I'm going to leave it at that. Hopefully this was helpful for anyone who wanted to begin their uh, journey in podcasting. Um, If you have any questions on any of this, of course, hit us up at notrocketscienceshow at gmail.com or on Instagram, even though I just kind of crapped on it a little bit this episode, but that's at NRS underscore show and on Twitter at NRS underscore show. So that is all this week. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I'll see you next time. And as always, peace.